Good morning on this holiday weekend. Good morning, both to you in the room and to those online. Uh, thanks for being here this morning. Today is the uh, last third week, the last week of a three-week series called Transformed. Um, and what we've been trying to say, and we've been trying to communicate for, uh, this is the third week, are these four things. So we have a slide on this. Um, we've been trying to communicate that transformation, spiritual transformation, is real. Uh, it's normal for followers of Jesus to change over time. It's normal for us to be different people than, like Brenna's story, 10 years after being in high school with that girl that she resented a little bit. Um, now, 10 years later, they can be different people. They can know each other and care about each other and have a good conversation, right? So if you net this out, there should be no grumpy old men in the church. There should be no mean old women in the church. That's not normal. The normal deal is to become more kind and more loving and more accepting, right? Loving our enemies, how does the church have this image? It's like, let's uh, get this transformation is normal. Um, as we follow Jesus, we ought to be changing to be more like him. Actually, the New Testament has a word for it. It's called sanctification, which actually says becoming more and more like Jesus. If Jesus had lived longer than 33 years, he wouldn't have been a grumpy old man. And as we become more and more like him. So, transformation is real. Transformation is a journey. Okay? You're on your journey and I'm on my journey. And where I am on my journey might be quite different than where you are on your journey. Some of you, with the graduations that just happened, you're learning to be epidemiologists. That's a part of transformation. Some of you are having your first babies. That's a part of transformation. Some, some, a lot of weddings. Some of you are getting married for the first time transformation. Where you are on your journey is different than where someone else is. Transformation requires that we show up. We're a part of it. It's not like we sit back and like it happens to us. We're a part of transformation. We have a step we can take and we need to take. Um, we take that next step. We participate, but the power of it this is the fourth thing we've been trying to say. Transformation happens in the power of God. It's not self-help. It's not like, okay, I'm going to try hard and I'm going to change. No, I'm going to try hard, but it's God's power within me that's going to make the change. Okay? So um, when, when I, I heard we're doing this series on transformation, the first thing that popped into my mind was uh, these transformers. Remember these plastic toys? Like they would come, they'd be a block of like squares, and then you'd twist them and turn them, and whoa, now they're a rocket ship. Or you twist them and turn them, and now they're an animal. Or you twist them, uh, the one I really like, twist them and turn them, and now it's a weapon, Right? Uh, space gun or something. Uh, so I asked some kids, like, do you still, Transformers, are they something you know about? And the kids said, yeah, you can do it digitally. You can, like, go and, like, just click, and they switch, and cool, I didn't know that. Um, transformation other ways, though. Um, this spring, uh, I've been walking in the Katowski, in Waterloo, the Katowski um, gr Greenbelt. And went walking in April, and it's just brown, dead, 
And then went walking two weeks later, and it's a carpet of bluebells. Everywhere you look, as far as you can see, bluebells. Some of you who are farmers, dirt. And now, those green sprouts coming up, transformed. And in two or three or four weeks, that field's going to look completely different, transformed. And uh, same, same ingredients, but completely different, transformed. Now, whether you came to Christ, whether you became a Christian in an instant, in an instant conversion, or whether you became a follower of Jesus over a long period of time, both require transformation afterwards. So some people are going totally the wrong direction. Maybe they're addicted to alcohol, addicted to drugs. Maybe something else is going on. Uh, maybe they, they're an atheist. They don't even believe. Then all of a sudden, in an instant, they make a turn. And then they need a lot of transformation. But some of us are, are opposite than that. We became a follower of Jesus over a long period of time. We went to camp. We went to VBSs when we were kids. We were raised in a Christian family step by step by step. We never really know where we cross that line. But we know we're bound for heaven. We know Jesus is our Savior. But they also need to keep being transformed. So whichever one you are, it's important that you be transformed. Now, I, I have a warning um, about this. Sometimes when we teach in the church on the fact that people can change and get better, somehow we get on the slippery slope of saying Christians are better than their neighbors. Bonk. No. Thanks for playing. That's not right. Um, Christians are better than people who participate in other religions. No. So what does transformation mean? It means that Dave Bartlett, transformed by God, is better than who Dave Bartlett would be without God. So my neighborhood is a great example. We have some great neighbors in our neighborhood who are not followers of Christ. But they take cookies to people. They mow each other's lawns. They watch out for each other. They're better neighbors than I am. But in Jesus, I'm a better neighbor than I would be without him. So this is not comparing ourselves to others. This transformation we're talking about is comparing myself to myself. I'm better as I'm transformed. Um, so I want to talk about Mary Magdalene this morning. That's the person. Uh, Carla talked about uh, Peter. And Ed talked about Jacob and several other Old Testament characters. I, I want to talk about Mary Magdalene. And I want to begin with a story from Luke chapter 7. I don't have the verses up because I want you to picture it. I want you to go into the room with me for a minute. Uh, uh, a Pharisee, a church official, invited Jesus and his disciples to supper. So they're in his room. They're reclining at table, which actually means they're laying on their side. They're eating while they're on their sides. That's how they ate. That was reclining at table. And uh, so you got some church officials, you got Jesus' disciples, you got Jesus. All men, if there's any women in the room, they're simply servants. Because men and women don't eat together in this culture at that time, New Testament. And this woman comes in. And she sees Jesus and she stands behind Jesus. And she starts to cry. And her tears go on his feet. And so she bends down and starts wiping his feet with her hair. And then she's brought along a flask of expensive perfume and she pours it on his feet. 
And Jesus perceives that the host of the supper is in a bad place regarding the woman. In fact, he perceives that uh, Simon, the host, is thinking if Jesus knew who that woman was, he wouldn't let her touch him. Right? Now, here's how Jesus responds. This is the only place in the Bible that I am aware of that says this. Jesus is really good at looking at people he talks to, but in this situation, he looks at the woman, he turns and looks at the woman who's been washing his feet, but he's talking to Simon. This is Luke 7. And he's looking at the woman, I think looking into her eyes, communicating how much he cares about her and how grateful he is for what she just, just did. And she says to Simon, Simon, I have a question for you. Can I ask it? Simon goes, yes, Lord. And he's still looking at the woman. And he says, Simon, let me ask you this. Who loves more, someone who's been forgiven a lot or a little? Simon stammers a minute. And he says, well, I, I think it's someone who's been forgiven a lot probably loves more. And then he says, that's the story of this woman. Then he says, he's still looking at her. He's speaking to Simon. I came in. You didn't give me a cloth to wipe my feet. You didn't wipe my feet. You didn't give me a basin. You didn't do anything for me. But she has not stopped washing my feet since she came in. She's forgiven. I love her. And then he goes one step farther. Wherever the gospel shared from now until when I come again... This story is going to be shared. Luke 7. Whew. Now, we don't know if that was Mary Magdalene. Uh, scholars disagree. I, I don't really have a good opinion. But we do know this. How Jesus reacted to someone whose life had been changed and transformed. And we do know this. That the very next verse... In Luke, uh, is this, and we have a slide for it. After this, meaning the dinner party, after this dinner party, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, that's normal, and also, this is abnormal, also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases, and then Mary Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. What does that mean? What does that mean, seven demons came out? Well, it might mean exactly what it says. It might mean that she, uh, any of you who've done mission trips or been in third world countries, you realize that the curtain between our realities, our spiritual reality and our physical reality, in some nations is thinner and you actually see, uh, hear about, uh, talk about, uh, experience cast outness of demons in our work in Haiti with some witch doctors. Some of us have been there and seen demons cast out. It could be that. Or in Jesus' day, that phrase, seven demons cast out, could also be a healing of ep epilepsy or seizures. Either one. But she knew exactly why she followed Jesus. Because there was a day when I was sick or I had demons and he healed me. 
She knew exactly why she followed Jesus. And here it is right in the scriptures. She must have said it so often that that's how they wrote about her. Hey, Mary Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, and Susanna and many others. And then here's this incredible phrase. These women were helping to support the disciples and Jesus out of their own means. They were the ones who put out the money. They bought the food. They did do the grocery shopping. They helped with whatever supplies they needed out of their own money. This is our first by name introduction to Mary Magdalene. I uh, have enjoyed in our small group, Orchard Hill small group, We've, uh, over the past couple years, we've watched a TV series together. It's called The Chosen. And uh, if you haven't seen it, it's one of those you can stream. You could look it up on Google, The Chosen. Uh, we really, really learned and enjoyed uh, The Chosen. But my favorite scene over two years of programming was a scene where Mary Magdalene had fallen back into an old kind of life and her friends had gone and gotten her and brought her back to Jesus. And she was so ashamed that she'd fallen back into her old life. And she didn't want to come back to Jesus. She didn't want to be a follower anymore. She, all she could focus on was how unworthy she was. But she comes into Jesus' tent, stands shaking at the door. And Jesus turns and she says, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I wasted your redemption. I, like, have gone the wrong way. I slipped into my old life. And Jesus looks her in the eye, and he gives her a hug, and he says, it's okay. What kind of redemption is it if you're redeemed for two months and then you can fall out of it? God's grace, it can't be. And he gives her a hug, and he says, you're forgiven. I'm glad you returned. Now, that's not a story in the Bible. But it's a story that resounds with my soul. And there was a lot of times in my life where I would pray for God's forgiveness for a sin. And within the same day, I would do the sin again. And I'd pray for forgiveness again, and then I would do the same sin again. And pray for forgiveness again. And pretty soon, if you don't understand who God is, you quit, you quit coming back to God. And the question isn't, are we going to fall down in our following of Jesus? The question is, how long are we going to stay down? How, long, how quick can we pop back up? So, uh, Mary. Now, a couple of verses here. Uh, Matthew 27, 55. Uh, this is at the cross of Jesus. This is the next time she's mentioned. Here she is watching at the cross of Jesus. Many women were there at the foot of the cross, watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene. So what's Mary doing in this? She's standing watching him be crucified, punished, tortured, breathing his last breaths. Now let's go a couple verses later. He dies. Verse 59, Joseph took the body down. He got permission, took the body down. He wrapped it in clear linen cloth and placed it in his own new tomb 
that had been cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting opposite the tomb. So what are they doing? They're watching and they're following. Remember, she's being transformed. She's had a dream die on that cross. She thought Jesus was going to be with her a long time. She thought he was going to, like, save the world without a death. She didn't understand the death. And all of a sudden, the dream dies. And all she's left with, she believes, is a dead body. But what does she do? Faithfully does the next needed thing. Watches what happens. Follows to the grave. Okay. Um, the next verse, uh, 28, 1 and 2. After the Sabbath, on the dawn of the first day, they can't do anything on the Sabbath. After the Sabbath, the dawn of the day, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary um, went to look at the tomb and other places in the Bible says they took what was needed to put new ointment on the dead body. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. So the woman, so the women, next verse, hurried away from the tomb afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Whoa, this is incredible. The first person Jesus comes to after he's resurrected is Mary Magdalene. He comes to meet her. And he says, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, for there they will see me. Mary's been transformed. And there's four things I would like us to, uh, I don't know which of these will touch you today, but there's four things that might help you keep growing as a person spiritually. And the first one is this. Be clear on why I'm a follower of Jesus today. When people go on a mission trip for Orchard, when they're coming back, lots of times we debrief the trip and we say you need a one-sentence answer when people tell you how was the trip. You need a one-sentence answer because they're just passing you in the hallway and that's what pops into their mind and they're really not that interested, but they just, how was your trip? Well, it was one sentence. Or maybe somebody's a little bit interested or more interesting, interested in it, whatever, uh, and you need a paragraph. And maybe somebody's deeply interested because they've gone there themselves or they've been on mission trips and they know God taught you something. And so they're, they're ready for a five or ten minute conversation. You need all of those. Transformation is built on knowing why you came to Jesus. Mary Magdalene knew. Seven demons cast out. That's why I came. I know, I have a one sentence. When I was in college, I was looking everywhere for purpose. What matters? And in Jesus, I found purpose. Now, I got a lot of other things, right? But I know why I came. So what's your one sentence? This is the beginning of transformation. What's your one sentence of why? Some of you, I needed love so badly. And I found love in Jesus. Some of you, I was so broken and filled with shame and sin. I needed forgiveness. 
What's your one sense? I don't think you can be transformed very well unless it's on a foundation of why you follow Jesus today. And I think having one sentence and then maybe a paragraph would be really helpful. It's a foundation to build your transformation on. Um, number two, be ready to act with courage and sacrifice. It took a lot of courage to go into that men's dinner party and stand and weep and pour perfume. It took sacrifice. It took courage. And, you know, remember back at the beginning, we said there's a part of you in this transformation. Some of you have something courageous or sacrificial you need to do as a next step. I mean, maybe it's as easy as volunteering for a vacation Bible school. Maybe in, you just have to summon up the nerve and do it. Maybe it's you need to forgive an enemy. Maybe it's you need to write a check to God. Maybe, I, I don't know what, but courageous and sacrificial. And that's what God uses. Number three, you need to be ready to fail and get a brand new start. Transformation. In Mary's case, and in Peter's case, uh, Carla talked about this a lot in her first teaching this series. In uh, in, in, in those cases, you have to be ready to fail and then get back up and receive the forgiveness of Jesus and then go on. I've had to do that uh, uh, so many times. And sometimes when I failed, it's actually hurt other people. It's hurt people in the church when I failed in certain ways. It's hurt people in my family when I failed in certain ways. And that is so hard to hurt people. Because of your failing. But you got to be ready to fail and get a brand new start. Failure isn't a reason to stop being transformed. And the fourth one we can learn from Mary. Be ready to keep following in the land between. The first time I taught this at basic, uh, I didn't even see this part. But from when Jesus died on the cross till when he was resurrected, uh, Mary was in a land of, like, land between. She, her hope, her dream had died. And she didn't have the new dream yet. She was just in this, like, no man's land. And some of you are there right now. And so I was looking at what Mary did to keep being transformed. And what she did was simply the next needed thing. The next needed thing. I actually... Uh, have been walking with the Lynn's family who buried their seven-year-old, you know, a couple months ago. I've been walking with them, and I was with Eric, and I was explaining this thing. Eric's one of our teachers, but he lost his son. I said, and he said, Dave, that's so helpful. It's like the next needed thing. So what's the next needed thing? And some of you hit this like you get a diagnosis of there's a tumor, but it's seven, it's, it's seven days or two weeks until you can have your next scan. That's the land in between. Some of you lose a job and you're not having a chance to get another job yet, and that's the land between. Some of you have a loved one who won't talk to you right now. That's the land between. And what do you do? as you're being transformed in that land between the next needed thing. What did Mary do? She followed to see where the body was going to put. She came back a morning later 
with what was needed to handle a dead body. And she was surprised and got a new dream. So if you're in one of those times, um, what you can do and what will transform you, because these are intense times, when all of a sudden you lose a dream, they're intense times. Some of you, your intense time is you just had a kid graduate from high school or college. And it's like you're facing empty nest or you're not sure who you're going to be now. Um, the next needed thing. Let me, uh, let me I, I don't know which of these things will be of help to you, but uh, it's been my prayer that something here would um, help you as you're on your journey where you are um, being transformed and becoming more and more like Jesus. I'll pray. Father, thank you for uh, this time. Thank you for uh, these folks who are here. Thank you for this holiday weekend when we can remember those who have served, those who have sacrificed. Thank you that you are real. It's normal to change. It's normal to grow. It's normal to become like Jesus. Help us learn. Help us help each other. Help us be an encouragement to each other. And now as we sing these worship songs, help us fully worship you because that's a part of changing too. In Jesus' name, amen.